RadioInfluence.com. All righty. Very, 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 very interesting, very entertaining week. How you been? Man, I've just been on a roll. I don't know about you. I don't know what it is. Even though we still haven't found a house, it's going to be a long time. There's no inventory here in where we are, Upper Pinellas County. No inventory, man. We rolled the dice. We sold our house. We're staying with the in-laws. And I told Emily we would be rolling the dice, and we are. But you know what? All is good. I've been in a great mood. Been doing a lot of traveling back from Denver, Colorado, where I lived some 30 years ago. And uh, I'll tell you some behind-the-scenes stories. But you're here not to hear me tell you stories. That's after my guest. The Rock Stops Here is a podcast where I interview those that have made it to the top. A lot of broadcasters, a lot of media people, former coaches, players, current players, uh, a few in the entertainment industry, shock jock radio as well, whatever. How did you make it to the top? My guest today is with Barstool Sports. Barstool Sports, for the younger guy, is it. Okay. Now I've been following Barstool for the last couple of years, but really lately a lot, very entertaining. Um, and they were just sold for so much money. Dave Portnoy out of Massachusetts started this thing, just him. He had a few guys from the beginning. He was going like almost door-to-door, mailers, I mean, just grassroots. And he made over a million dollars. It might be a couple of million himself, whatever it is, a whole boatload of money. And you know what, man? The American dream. They have their detractors. That's going to happen on the way up. And it's an incredible success story. Now, for those of you that are a little older, that have followed me for a long time, you might not even, you've heard of Barstool, you're not familiar, it's okay, I understand. This isn't a long interview. But for those of you that do follow Barstool Sports, my guest is Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank, Frank Fleming from New Jersey, how he went from working in the courtroom like a court stenographer, to being at Barstool and just so successful, so popular, so many different things that he does. He's making a lot of money. They're all doing so well. It's an incredible success story. How did he get there? He's a man of a few words. He doesn't say a lot, but without further ado, are you ready? Those those that follow Barstool, man, enjoy this one. Here he is. Mr. New York Big Met fan, Miami Dolphins fan, gets so worked up and so ticked off and so hyper and just so when they lose, he has breakdowns and and he's just, he's entertaining. He brings it. He brings the content. The one, the only, Frank the Tank. Here you go. All right, I am with the legend, the legend at Barstool, the biggest sports platform in the world. 
He is New Jersey's own Frank the Tank, the great Frank Fleming, here to watch his Mets. He's decked out in his Mets gear. Frank, congrats on all your success. How you doing, my man? I'm doing all right. I wish the Mets were playing a lot better, but I think this is, uh, I have an impending sense of doom every time I see him play this year. <laughs> I know. For those that, if you don't follow Frank, you got to. You you've got to. You're such a character. But where did where, where did it start? Where did your love for the New York Mets start, Frank? I uh, probably came, started around uh, when I was nine, and Dwight Gooden was uh, just dominating. And you know Dwight Gooden is from Tampa. Yeah, he yes, came he up is. through yes, here. He is. Yes, he is. Well, well, what a shame. I mean, he he had a great career, but if it would not been for the you know the drugs and the other things, how good do you think that he could have been, Frank? Uh, his first first five years were the best five years any pitcher's probably ever had. Great fastball, a lot of movement, but the curveball, Frank. I mean, the Uncle Charlie that he threw was just something else. Now, for you, correct me if I'm wrong, weren't you working in the court system when you were discovered on a... I, I, I worked at the courthouse for 16 years. And so you were taking your New Jersey Transit and there was a mass delay. And did Dave Portnoy, El Presidente, actually see you on a news report yes, ranting? How did that come about? He saw me on a news report and then looked me up and saw that I had, like, just was doing stuff in the ether and uh, nobody noticed it. And he gave me the platform. And next thing I know, uh, it just, I'm, I'm blowed up now. Uh, I mean, pictures of me get uh, two million uh, views. Uh, it's, it's, it's incredible. Did you ever think that you would be in this position at all, Frank? Or did it just happen fast and then it continued to grow? Uh, it just continued to grow. I mean, I went to school actually for broadcasting, but I never could find a job. So it's something that I always tried to do, and it just finally happened. Now. Barstool is located in Manhattan. Yes. You are still in New Jersey. Yes. So do you still commute in on a daily basis via New Jersey Transit into the city? Yes, I do. And every day it's something. We have something called the Portal Bridge, which is a bridge that's 115 years old. And uh, it's, it has a swing open to let some boats in every now and then. And when they uh, swing it open, it's hard to close, so they had to like uh, go out there with a sledgehammer and get the tracks back aligned. <laughs> now, your baseball, your sports knowledge is incredible. I know you have your website, the sports. Yes. The yeah, it's kind of on hiatus now. Yeah. I need someone to help me run it, but I just don't have anyone to do it right now. But when, when when they come to you and give me your top five, and it just it just it blows me away. Now you're younger than me, and your history. How did that? Was it always as a kid, Frank? Uh, yes. Just yes, uh, I've always been able to do something like that. And it might take me like about five minutes to think about it, but yeah, I could do it. Wow. What is it like working at Barstool? Uh, we see it from the outside. What's uh, it like, Frank? It is fun. You got a lot of creativity going on there, so it's it's always something, something good. Now, let me ask you this. As big as you are, when you have that many people that follow you, you're going to get some jackasses. Oh, this guy, this and that. How do you handle that? Because if I, I'm not like on a platform like you, so I get a couple, I'm like, oh my God, man, I get sensitive. How do you handle that, Frank? Well, I just uh, realize that they're jealous. That's all it is. Now, we know about your Mets, your love for the Mets. 
you are a Miami Dolphins fan. Yes. Here you are in North Jersey, boy, New Jersey boy, and you're a Miami Dolphins fan. When did that start, Frank? Uh, Dan Marino, I guess, is probably the best answer. I actually rooted for the Dolphins uh, even before Marino. I, was, I remember watching Super Bowl 17. Wow. And A.J. Dewey in the mud. And A.J. Dewey was my favorite player back then. Wow. Do you, I've, I've interviewed uh, Marino a couple of times. He's one of my favorites. He's such a down-to-earth guy. Have you ever had a chance to meet him at all, no. Frank? No, I haven't. What now? What? Just a couple more. What about bucket list for you? What is there anything that you in this business would like to do? Maybe e, somebody you would like to meet, Frank. What? What about it, Frank? Uh, I'm pretty much doing the bucket list things. You know, uh, I mean, uh, one of these days I'd like to get to a Super Bowl, a Final Four, maybe a Kentucky Derby, uh, different things like that. I went to the Daytona 500 last year. Uh, I want to hit every. I want to visit every state at one point. I'm up to like 38 states now. I mean, uh, just doing all that stuff. Yeah, let's plug a little bit of your raw dogging. You go around the country and you give your rating for hot dogs. Yes. Uh, tell tell those that might not be familiar. Tell me, Frank. Well, it's on my YouTube channel. Uh, subscribe uh, to know when videos come out. I also do cooking videos and soda reviews. But I'm going, I'm going is everywhere, every time I go somewhere, I make sure to go top of the hot dog place. And I'm going to try to get to Mel's in the next day or two, uh, see if there's a hot dog place around here too. Uh, and just reviewing hot dogs and seeing which hot dogs are good, which hot dogs are bad, you know. I, 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 I have a determination that a snap, if it has a good snap, it's probably going to be a good dog. Great. And one other thing, too. When we see you for Barstool, the sports book, and, like, say it's on NFL Sundays, or now it's been Mimi March Madness or something like that, none of that stuff is scripted. You guys really are busting balls like that. Yes. I mean, and it yeah. really, and sometimes you might, they might get into your anger. It's not, none, it's not fake, is it? It's not fake. Not fake at all. It's genuine. Awesome. Uh, one of the people who's just probably the most genuine people is actually Jersey Jerry. I like him. I can tell. I can tell. What is Presidente? What does Dave Portnoy really like? Uh, he's very just laid back and relaxed, uh, but he's he can be a ball buster. <laughs> I can see that. My last one, Frank. This is the rock stops here. Those that have made it to the top. You've made it to the top at Barstool. I'm sure you get this a lot. Young people, they want to be successful in this crazy field. What would be the best piece of advice you could give Frank the Tank? Make content make content 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 if it, even if no one's looking at it just keep throwing content just throw out content and you know maybe you'll find that one video that one piece of content that Barstool goes oh wow I want that guy Frank continued success congratulations and thank you so much my man it was a pleasure What I found thank you thank you tank what I found interesting with Frank the tank was his last answer where I ask everybody like you know you made it you made it what is your advice a lot are be yourself don't try to be anybody else I've gotten that an awful lot obviously you've got to put in a lot of hard work uh, some say just don't be a jerk uh, don't be an ass it's hard enough to make it in this business. You know, those are most of the answers and contacts. You got to make contacts and all that jazz. But how about Frank's? Put content out there, content. 
He's coming from a younger generation on a platform content. Content is king. Content. They're always thinking. Oh, my God. Uh, Dave Portnoy, El Presidente, the president of that company, the owner of that bad boy, was. Now he sold it. But everything has stayed the same for now. Uh, he was just saying the other day, like somebody... Somebody got in his grill when he was doing one of his pizza reviews and he thought in his mind, let this go, content. And I, I hearken back to my days in uh, sports talk radio and talk radio. Uh, I was on 970 WFLA in Tampa. They have a lot of legends that came out of there. And one of them was Bob Lassiter. Well, he actually, he was at a different place. He came back. But Bob Lasseter, he passed away. He was, oh my God, he was a ball buster. He was so intelligent. And I remember listening to him and I went on doing sports updates for a year or two and he made a comeback and he was like, don't take it personally. I'm going to bust your balls bad on the air, this and that, you know, and it's, it's about entertainment. But his thing was, if you get an asshole caller, and for Dave's case, it would be somebody you're doing a pizza review and somebody comes up to you and starts getting in you. Let him let him go. That's content. And what Lasseter would say is they'll end up running out of material. They will bury themselves. And it's so easy if you're doing talk radio, you're doing something on camera. Somebody comes over, they start yelling, you suck, this and that, this and that. And you want to just lose it. But no, let them go. They're usually not highly intelligent and they're going to run out of things to say and they're going to end up burying themselves. And that was a great lesson that I learned from Lasseter. And I heard uh, El Presidente say that somewhere last week or something. He was on a podcast or on one of his shows, the shows on Barstool. And he's like, he thinks in his content brain. So these guys that have made money in, they call it in space, in the digital age, they're about content. Put it out there. Keep putting it out there. Put the content. Put your video out there. Put it out there. And as Frank said, you never know. One day a bar stool or some other big platform network may see it. And boom, I like that. But it's interesting. And it was good. He's Like I said, he doesn't say much. He's not long-winded in these interviews. But being around him. And I want to thank uh, Bobby, who runs uh, MC uh, Midgets. Midget Wrestling, Dwarfs, and I've known those guys for quite a while through Brian Knobs, the Nasty Boys from WWE uh, from years ago, about 10 years ago, and he was the one that brought down Frank the Tank. Frank the Tank has coached these midgets, that's what they call themselves, midgets or dwarfs, in um, the Rough and Rowdy. It's brawling that they have in West Virginia. Very, very popular, very entertaining. But anyway, if you don't follow Barstool, you might be a little bit lost, so I don't want to go too hot and heavy into it, but uh, it's incredible. There, There's one now, it's mostly like a younger, younger bunch of guys. There is one guy, Stu Finer. He is the godfather of betting and gambling. And he's a carnival barker. He's smart. He's done this for years and years and years and years and years and years. And he's in his early 60s. And I'm like, he's the he's the yeah, he's the loud guy, loud guy, ready to roll, ready to roll, ready to roll. But I asked Frank off microphone, 
because I know that they're tight. I said, is he a good guy? He's like, he's so loyal. He's a good guy. That's what I thought. That's what I thought. And I can kind of tell. But he's made a lot of money. He spent a lot of money. And he's on Barstool because I get, I think Dave Portnoy and his father used to follow him back in the days before the internet that he would do these gambling sites. You know, 1-800-CALL-ME, da-da-da. I remember years ago when I was at a national reporter at FNN, Financial News Network during the day, week, and then FNN Sports on weekends. And we started, FNN started taking in uh, some of these shows, the pay-for-play gambling, guys gambling, you know, point spreads and stuff, when it wasn't kosher, back, way, way, way back in the day. And I remember I had to cover a the Preakness. Was it the Preakness? No, it was the one in Maryland. Um, and I went down there horse racing. I had covered something in Madison Square Garden the night before. I drove down to Maryland, met my camera guy, did that. And then my boss, Arnie Rosenthal, out of L.A., said, go and interview, I think his name was Mike. He ran one of these gambling sites and he was in Baltimore. And I remember going to this place and going downstairs and going to these steps, knocking on a door. And I remember there was a little box for like a window. There might've been the burglar bars on front and it was open. Who are you here to see? Who are you? Here to see Mike from FNN. All right, come on in. And I went into this site and there was all these guys and they were all like operators. They were all at these desks taking, taking bets. And it was very, very interesting. It wasn't my thing. There was another time where I actually produced. It was in Colorado Springs. It didn't last long. I, I was, and it was a gambling thing at night. But Stu Finer has been the, he's the man. He's on Barstool. I'm like, President, you got to have me. Have another guy that's 60. And it's more low key. He is more the guy he wants to like drink beer with, but I'm not a yeller. You know what I mean? I go up again, you know, but still, you know, but whatever, whatever, whatever. But anyway, Frank the Tank, Barstool guys, Stephen Che, he comes down here for Buck stuff. Congratulations, man. Continued success. And thank you, Tank. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. It was interesting watching him walking around Tropicana Field because he has all of his Mets gear on. And the Rays were nice enough through the Pat and Aaron show on 620 WDAE to, they might've given him the hookup for the tickets. I know that they let him go in the press box with the MCW midgets and Bobby. And that was kind of nice of them because they didn't let the public in for a certain, you know, there's a certain time before first pitch that they allow you in these stadiums and they allowed Frank to tank in and all that. So it was, it was, uh, it was an interesting day because it's one of those things where I'm fans of I follow these guys and then to see an interview, Frank, right here on my Rock Stops Here podcast is kind of like surreal, but it was it was uh, kind of cool. All righty. What else is happening? Um, it's now opening day, man. Here we are. Here we are this week. Baseball. How about that? I may have him next week, Eric Burns. He was going to be my guest for this one. He's a former Major League Baseball player played for quite a few different teams. Uh, he got into broadcasting. He used to be on the best damn sports show. Now, if you're a little older, around my age, or even in your 50s, 45 years old, you may remember the best damn sports show. That show was great. They had great guests. They were ahead of their time. 
they were a bar stool before bar stool. And I used to love that show. Very, very good. Eric Burns was on Best Damn Sports Show. He started out, I think he went right away on ESPN, their baseball tonight, baseball coverage. And he was on MLB Network. He's been on Sirius XM. I know he had a show in San Francisco, KNBR. He lives in this plant, this community. Uh, he's a mar- ultra marathoner and a lot of different things. He's just, he was with the Savannah Bananas last year. And he might even do something this year. And I had a lengthy conversation, not only about baseball, just life in general and about his broadcasting career. And I was going to do that last week. I may do him next week. But again, I have st- I've gotten st- I've stockpiled so many good guests uh, that I just we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. See. But he was going to be my guest. And then Frank the Tank. And I figured I got to pop him on there. I did have a chance to actually talk to Kevin Cash about what kind of touched me two weeks ago, three weeks ago, and I mentioned it here on my podcast. I get to the Trop, Tropicana Field where the Rays play their home games. They've been playing their spring training games this year because there was a hurricane that hit this past hurricane season. It looked like it was going to be a direct hit to us here in the Tampa Bay area. And it took a turn and it went down and right and it hit like the Port Charlotte area. That's where the Rays train. So it did a lot of damage. They just they just were not, the facility was not uh, able to, they were able to use it or play games at their stadium there. So the Rays started spring training workouts at Disney's Wide World of Sports. And that's where the Braves used to play. And then they came back to the Trop and that's where they've been playing their spring training games. And of course now it's regular season. So I get there really, really, really early. Usually if some, most of the time, first one in the press box. And I went down on the field one day and it was early. And Tyler or Taylor Walls, uh, Aranda, maybe somebody else, but Taylor Walls, he's always working, like always putting in so much extra time. He's an infielder. And I noticed Kevin Cash was hitting grounders to his kid, his boy. His boy is 10 years old at third base on the big field. And I was just watching. Nobody else was there. The boy would, his son would take the grounders and then throw it back in one one bounce, one hop to Kevin Cash and he'd, you know, grab it with the bare hand, you know, throw it up, toss it up, boom, grounders. Nice, true grounders. The kid was great. He was making everything. But it was just, I was just looking at it like, look at that father and son. He's a major league manager. He has long days. He's got to deal with a lot of different stuff and media and this and that. Players, obviously, coaching staff, you know, all this. And yet, he's taking the time to hit grounders to his son before the reg- you know the team is out there. And I thought that was so cool. And I only gave him a little bit of a fist bump, but he was busy that day. So a couple days ago, I actually talked to him. I was hanging there and right by the dugout, and he's like, hey, I said, hey, man, I got to tell you, watching you hitting grounders to your son, that is so cool. And for him, and what happened was the kid, Kevin Cash's son, after he was done being, you know, fielding grounders, he went over to first base. And then Cash was hitting grounders to 
Taylor Walls and Aranda, and these are major league players, and they're throwing it over to first base. Not as totally as hard as they can, but they're not lobbing it either. I mean, it's on a rope. It's on a line. And this kid is 10 years old, and he's catching major league shortstop, major league infielders, throwing it over to him on the big field. Do you remember what it was like when you were 10 years old? You were on a little league field. It was something to try to go to a big field. It felt like the bases were so far away. Remember that? And I said, and he goes, yeah, he goes, you know what? It's pretty cool for him, isn't it? I said, man, when he goes back to his little league after being up, taking practice with major leaguers on the big field and with his dad, and he's like, yeah, it is cool. He goes, you know what? Like two years ago, he didn't even understand. He didn't get it. He was around here and he didn't get it. You know, an eight-year-old kid, seven-year-old kid. He goes, now I think he, I think he gets it. And he goes, and he said this the other day. He goes, but his mom, if he ever got a big fat lip, where he didn't handle these, these, these throws are from major leaguers on a rope. He's like, his mom would have been, oh my God, she would have been so mad. I would have been in so much trouble. I, I hit him. I punched him in the shoulder, laughing. I said, oh, you know how mothers are. That's how it goes. Oh yeah, you would have been in big trouble. He just laughed. But I said, and I gave him a fist bump again. I said, that is so cool, father and son. I happen to see it. That's really cool, Kevin. And then he went about and did his thing. So I thought that, that was kind of neat. So anyway, plenty of baseball coverage. Listening this week, right now, if you're listening early, I am in back in Phoenix at the NFL owners meetings. It's going to be a hellacious trip, but the flights were so expensive. Oh, my God. I'm telling you, everybody is traveling. Every flight. I have been on a lot of flights now the last four weeks. Every single flight. And with your carry-on luggage, make sure if it is, you know, if you can't find room, this is a totally full flight. Same thing. Totally full flight. Went to another one. We'll give you a $250 voucher if you want to give up your ticket and take another flight later. Everybody is flying and spending and flying and spending. It's incredible, man. With inflation. It's incredible. So anyway... I'll, I'll be coming back from that, hopefully lining up a few more guests. I might start ending up doing these also on video, my ins, my outs, talking to you guys. Uh, my The great guys at Radio Influence, they're, they're doing this graphics thing and doing a little video like teaser uh, to get you know into this. So we're, we're, I'm, I'm going to step this thing up. I, I got to. I got to step this thing up and everybody, everybody wants video. So my guys at Radio Influence are my guys and we're going to, we're going to, we might just start doing that. But right now I'm sitting in my uh, guest bedroom at my in-laws house, but I got to put something together. I can't keep waiting. I don't know how long it's going to be before we get a house. I'm serious. There is no inventory. It is such a seller's market. I went, we went, I'll go ahead now. Now I'm leading to my Denver stories. You ready? Here we go. Denver, Colorado. I love Denver. So we were gone for about five days. My wife and I, Addie, my daughter, met us there. My son is up in Georgia. Who knows when he's coming back. Uh, doing, doing well. He's 25, going to be 26. But Addie went to New York with my in-laws. She saw two shows on Broadway. 
She was being wine and dined. Oh, my God. Loved it. They stayed right in the heart of the tourist area, Times Square. She said it was the three best days of her life. They met us in Denver. I went to Denver two days early with my wife. And I'm telling you what, I now I'm a New Jersey guy. I'm a New Jersey boy. Out of high school, I went two years to St. Leo College. I left St. Leo because I was actually homesick for New Jersey. My guys, my peeps, yeah. Even though St. Leo was a party school, and I, and it wasn't. I didn't have fun there. Uh, but I was homesick at the time. 20, 18, 19, 19, 20 years old. And I went back to Jersey and I worked full time and I was at a commuter school, William Patterson College of Wayne Patterson. Okay. And uh, blah, blah, blah. But about, anyway, I lived in Denver, Colorado, Littleton, almost 30 years ago with my ex. We split. The marriage wasn't working. She left. I said, I'm never coming back to the East Coast. I loved it. It's not as cold as you think. It does the the cold doesn't go through you like it does in the Northeast, or like in Chicago, the windy city, or but it's not like that. I can't explain it with no humidity. If it's ninety degrees in the summer, it feels like it's seventy eight, eighty. When it's thirty two degrees, it doesn't feel that cold. I can't explain it. If you're from Colorado, you spent some time there, you know. So this is only last week. We go back, we go. And once I got there, once I got the rental car, once I started seeing the foothills and the mountains, once I started feeling it, oh my God, I was, it's in me. I was like, damn it. I am never going to end up back here. Just how life, my wife, daughter, it just isn't going to happen. And my wife loves the heat of Florida. So anyway, so I was going through it. We had a great time. I was the chauffeur for the entire family since they've been doing so much for us. I elected to, so I turned in a regular rental car after two days and picked up a damn minivan. I won't tell you how much it costs. Holy shit. But it worked. I drove around seven family members for three days. And I didn't mind it. And even when I would drop them off, I still cruised. Back to my old stomping grounds. I went by Columbine High School. That's where the whole damn school shooters thing started. There was a Clement Park that I used to work out in. Played basketball in. Ran sprints in. Played football with, from guys there. Did everything there. And it's right next to Columbine Park. Dylan Klebold and the other asshole that did that shooting, they part. They walked from Clement Park like across the parking lot into where years and years ago. Now, I was already back here in Tampa when, when that whole Columbine shooting went down. But I remember seeing the national news and seeing pictures and all the live trucks were set up at Column, uh, Clement Park. I was like, that's, that's, that's my, I used to ride my bike there. I was in great shape, man, always on a bike on a baseball team, play basketball two nights a week. And I was, that, that was my, and I was like, oh my God, man. But I went, I looked, I looked, I looked, I looked, I drove around, I drove to the foothills, I drove there. I drove where I used to live in a condo with my ex. I, I drove to my apartment on the third floor where I also used to live. I, I saw my spots. It was emotional, man. It, it was just like, wow. 
I just love the no humidity. I love it. There was one day where I had some time and I took the big ass minivan and where we were staying in an Airbnb after we stayed in this little place, my wife and I, but in a whole family. And it was nice in Airbnb. Uh, I drove down to a field, an empty field. There was a little league field and then an empty area right across from where I had a condo like almost 30 years ago where I used to run sprints. I never was a runner, but I pitched in local men's leagues. I would pitch every week. I did it in Jersey. I did it in Colorado and I did it year round down here all the way till 50 years old. And, uh, I pitched every week, nine innings, seven innings. And I would do, I would run a sprint, run, you know, 50 yards and then walk back, run, maybe 60, run, walk back, run, walk back. That's, that's the only running that I got. I'm not, I, you know, when I was younger, I ran, I, I can't run. I'm not a runner. And so I, I looked, I parked and I ran, I ran like five sprints, ran, walk back, ran, walk back. I was like, it was, it was almost emotional, like, wow, I did this 30, 30 years ago, and I'm still physically able to run a sprint. No problem. I didn't pull a muscle or anything. It, I was like, thank you. Thank you, God. Thank you. It's unbelievable. There's that school. It's, it, was a, it was an elementary school. Now it's, now it's uh, I think it's a private school, a Christian school, something like that. And I'm like, oh, they, they changed where the, where the bleachers were. There were, there were some times, it was, my marriage wasn't working, and sometimes I would just leave. I would go get a pizza. I would sit out and watch like a, a co-ed softball game. Because again, I was playing once a week in a men's baseball league, and I would just sit out there sometimes, have a couple of slices and just watch, you know? I used to do that now and then. Sometimes I'd go by a little league field. I haven't done that in a long time. But I was like, wow, it's 30 years later and I am physically still able to do that. It was, I swear to God, it was almost emotional. And I was like, oh my God. So I dropped Emily off at her friends. We, she has three friends that live. Now they, they had their, their marriages didn't work. Now they have men that are good men. And it was, Two in the Littleton area, one in Parker, right outside of the southwest area. That's also booming. And I dropped. Now, I thought I was just going to drop her off and then I can go do my thing. But it turns out you come in, their man is there too. I can't leave. That's kind of rude. So then I'm involved in a conversation. It was, they're nice. They're all three. All three are great. All three were nice. All three were great. And boom, boom, boom. Now, I have one friend. I probably got more friends that are still there, but I have a friend, Brian, who used to live in a condo right next to me uh, when I first moved out there with my ex to Colorado, Littleton. And I didn't want to contact him because I didn't know how, you know how it goes when you go back to where you once lived and you start, oh my God, who do I not want to run into? I don't have the time. Do I want to set up seeing this one and that one? You can never do it. You don't want to, you, you, know, you know what I'm talking about? So I didn't set up anything. Emily set up with her girlfriends. They plan everything, blah, blah, blah. I'm going to drop them off. I ended up staying, blah, 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 blah. So my friend Brian, I had some time and I said, you know what? I hit him up. His wife texted me back. We'd love to see it today if you got the time. I do. So I went over to there, hadn't physically seen him in about 20 years, maybe 15 to 20. 
I did see one time when I started dating Emily, about 18, 20 years ago. He looks the same, man. We sat down. I brought some beer. I don't know if he's in dream, but he had a couple beers with me. His wife was right there too. She was, she's, she <laughs> met the son. Didn't even know he had a son. He didn't have a son when I knew him. His son now is a senior in high school. And he was going back out to a Chick-fil-A interview. Da, 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 da. And it was just kind of, it was just cool. He's the same, very sarcastic, dry sense of humor. Very funny. And it was just like, just, just, just hanging and bullshitting. You know? And then my time, okay, my time was up here. Went out. And it's so funny. Emily with her girlfriends, to show you the difference between the guys and the girls. After she met with them, both of them. Oh, we got to see Yaddy. Oh, we got to we, we gotta see each other again before this trip's over. They always got to do a second visit. Like, I did my visit. We did our visit. That's it. Boom. I'll catch you in another 20 if I'm still around. And uh, so there was that. But we went. I got to tell you, it's so clean there, too. We went to the most unbelievable sports bar in a place called Greenwood Village. That's where her one friend is living, Hope. And met her new uh, man. He works for the FBI. Great guy. Great guy. And her son. And just about one of the best. I had one of the best burgers I think I ever had. The beer. Not too many beers. Two beers maybe because I was driving. And uh, it was just, it was tremendous. It was tremendous. It was just awesome. It was awesome. And then all of Emily's family on her father's side came in. It was a bat mitzvah that we were going to. So then once I, oh, and we went back, we picked up her sister. We changed vehicles, got a big old um, minivan, and we had to kill like six, seven hours because we're going back to the airport. If you've never been to Denver, their airport is way out. It's not close to downtown like Stapleton used to be. So we weren't going to go back to Southwest little uh denver because we didn't have the airbnb yet and i was going to pick up her brother and then my daughter and my in-laws they were coming from new york so to make a long story short we decided you know what it's 25 minutes into the city let's go explore downtown denver and we did 16th street mall if you've ever been there there's usually a lot of street performers they used to have a trolley going up and down there's no more trolley Ain't no more street performers. It was way low key. They were doing a lot of construction. It was still nice though. And we went to this place, Delectable Egg, because I went there 30 years ago. It was my favorite breakfast spot. And it's right on 16th Street or right off of it. And it was there. They have the brick wall. It was the same. Oh, it was so good. When you eat a big, 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 the way they season their potatoes, the eggs, the cheese, the bread, the, the the bacon. It was, oh, I was filled the rest of the day. I don't eat big heavy anymore, but I did that day. Had the coffees. It was cold. It was snowing. It snowed. It No, no, it snowed the day before. It snowed the day before. It was still a little chilly walking, but it was great. We walked. We walked down to Lodo, lower downtown. And then coming in, driving in, we went by Coors Field and the girl said, so I was with her sister, by the way, Emily's sister. So I spent the day with her sister and Emily and let the sisters talk. I was just the third wheel, loved it. 
Let them talk. Let them get caught up. They're talking about the kids. Boom, boom, boom. We're walking just to get warm. We went in the one of these like the Four Seasons. They have a beautiful hotel. We stayed in that lobby. Boom, boom, boom. Another place, the Brown Palace. I remember that hotel. We went in there. Uh, get a little warm, use the bathroom, boom, back out, walking. We walked down to just about right there to mile high where the uh, where the avalanche, not the in the arena, where the avalanche and the, the Nug Puppies, uh, Denver Nuggets, Nug Puppies uh, play. And just an overall day. And you know what? The day went by fast. And now it's time to go back to the airport. And we picked up. It was spring break. I didn't realize this. It was spring break it's two weeks ago now here in florida we had so many i mean so many people down here my daughter was off from school kids are off from school it was spring break in denver there were so many people that were flying into denver and then flying back out on that sunday monday the day we flew out was one of the largest amounts of travelers in like the history of the airport it came up on the news and that was the day that we traveled oh my god people fly in and they head out to the mountains to ski one of her friends was telling us that she and her boyfriend went out to breck breckenridge and they they were trying to get in they turned around it was wall to wall there are so many people that are traveling and spending i think it's after the pandemic it's like Fuck it. I don't care if I don't, I'm uh, inflation. I'm spending. It's incredible. But I didn't realize it was as busy at the airport, Denver's airport, as it was here in Tampa. And Tampa still has the most calmest, easiest TIA, very calm, even though record crowds here for spring break. Just amazing. Amazing, 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 amazing. So, um, so it was cool. And then, you know, her family members are really, really neat. They're really cool. And then just seeing how they live. They, they, they have, Emily has family that are living in Littleton, Centennial, Lone Tree. There's these, it's like Palm Harbor, Clearwater, Safety Harbor, Tarpon Springs. That's this is the upper Pinellas area where I'm familiar with. It's the same thing there. Like little, I said, David, where do you live? He's like, my address is Littleton. But at any day I could say that I'm from Centennial or Greenwood Village or Lone Tree or Littleton. And uh, I was seeing it all. I was seeing it all. I was on I-25. There's this other, oh, that's the other thing. I don't know. I can't wait till we get the bill for tolls. I cruised for five days on the roads. I was everywhere. I was not sticking uh, sedentary. And tolls, tolls, tolls. Here's another thing that's different in Colorado than here. We go, I go into a grocery store, get a few things. Emily said to me, are you paying for your bag? I don't know what she was talking about because I did the self-checkout, you know. I thought she was busting my chops. I let it go. Next day, two days later, I'm in a grocery store. It's either King Supers or Safeway in uh, in the Denver area. And I, I check out. It, w- it was with a checkout lady. And she's like, she just gives me my goods, my, my product, you know, my stuff, groceries with no bag. And she's like, oh, you didn't say you wanted a bag. Of course I want a bag. She's like, that's 10 cents a bag. 10 cents a bag? 
I didn't know. I said, I just came from Florida. We have what's called Publix there. We, you can take the plastic bags as many as you want. She looked at me. She's like, oh, you want a bag? That'll be 10 I'll put it all in one bag. That's 10 cents. All right. I go to put my card in. She, you know what she says to me? She goes, you're going to pay with credit? I said, I don't have change on me. I don't carry. How Do you carry change on you? Do you? I was one of the last of the Mohicans carrying change. I haven't carried change in freaking 15 years, 10 years, 15 years. I wasn't carrying any change. I had to put in a credit card for a 10 cent plastic bag to put my groceries in. And I thought, oh, maybe it's only King Soper's. Nope, it's Safeway. So if it's in Colorado, it's coming here. No, it's no big deal. It's 10 cents, but you can't grab an extra little bag or anything like that. Just like when I was in Phoenix, seeing the driverless cars, white cars, little black thing on top, black headlights, no driver taking you around. If it's in Phoenix, it's coming here or it's coming to where you live. So get ready, 10 cents a bag at your grocery store. So that was a little bit different. The other thing that Emily could not get over, one day we were walking in, she was with me, and we were walking into King Supers. And you know how you have the sliding glass doors that's on a sensor, whether it's Target, Walmart, Publix, Kroger's, King Supers, wherever your, wherever your thing is, Pathmark, Kmart, uh, is there a Kmart around anymore? Um, you know how it just opens when you walk? Well, in Denver, it was open. Both wide, both doors, huge. And there's the produce section as soon as you walk in the door. And Emily's like, the doors are open. What about bugs? Look around, Emily. There are no bugs. What? She's a Florida girl. What do you mean there's no bugs? There's no bugs. Can you imagine in Florida, in the heat, rainy season, because bugs don't like dry. Rainy season. Can you imagine Publix, Walmart, having your doors wide open all day and the, and, and the fruit and produce section right there as you walk in? There would be so many stinking flies. There would be no seams. Can you imagine telling somebody in Colorado, you know what a no seam is? No. Well, be glad you don't. But we thought she thought that was different. So here's another thing too with the air. Again, I am so late to the party on Airbnbs or Verbo, but now we've been using them. It worked out great. She and I stayed in a really cool hotel that had for two nights, just us. That was great. We had a beautiful view, the free breakfast in the morning and these big glass windows. And you look out, and you can see the white cap mountains, you can see the foothills, and you just, you hang. There was one night where I had a drink, she had, I don't know if she had wine or not, we just sat there, looked out. Oh, they had a happy hour. They actually had, and this is your basic hotel. This isn't any fancy place at all, man. They had a happy hour. When we checked in, would you join us? Free beer, free wine. And a little, uh, a few little uh, food. It wasn't much. But uh, yeah, 5.30. We go down to the lobby. She had some wine. I cranked out a beer or two. And we're looking out. The sunset is taking place over the mountains. Beautiful. 
and it was snowing. So it snowed. The first day we got there, 67 degrees in March. 67, I'm in short sleeves. The next day, light snow all day. Like, like heavy flurries, but all day. We probably got about two inches. And that morning, I laughed when I got the rental car because I saw the scraper, the ice scraper in the back seat. And I'm like, oh my God, I haven't used an ice scraper in a long time. And then sure enough, from 67 degrees, the next day, there I was in the morning. Oh, on this fresh fallen snow. It was so light, fluffy. Oh my God. Oh, it was great. Emily's like, are you worried about driving? I said, no. And I drove all day. I drove all day. So we were hoping so, the next day is when we're going to pick up our daughter. Our daughter's 13. She saw a little patch of snow one time when we went back to Jersey, but really hadn't been in it. And we were hoping so bad, don't, don't have the sun come out. We want her to see snow. We want her to see snow. And sure enough, the sun was out. And by the time I picked them up, the in-laws and my daughter, at five o'clock, there was no more snow. Now, when we did get to the our Airbnb, if you have shade, shady areas that don't see the sun, oh, those patches of snow stay. So from the deck, it was one of those bi-level houses. If you're from Florida, there's no such thing as a bi-level. But where I was in Jersey, they came from Michigan, same thing. You go in the front door, you can either go up or you can go down to the basement. And that's a finished basement, you know, a bedrooms and a rec room. And so there was a deck off the uh, sliding glass doors in the kitchen dining room area. And then underneath that, it was a patch of snow. And Addie went down and we made snowballs. We threw them at each other. She was having footprints. She loved it. She's a Florida girl. And it was so cool. It was so cool. The one thing though, about the Airbnb. Now it worked great for a house for seven people, eight people. You'd have to have two, three hotel rooms. So it worked out great. Great. It was all finished, redone inside. The there was not much of curb appeal. You get where I'm calling you, you know what I'm talking about? A very, very blue collar uh neighborhood. Very blue collar. If Emily went by herself or her girlfriend, that would be a little sketchy in an Airbnb. Here's why. You go into a hotel, there's cameras everywhere, there's a front desk, it's easy to get security, you, you, you're, pretty, you're pretty secure. At an Airbnb, at a house, in a very blue collar neighborhood, you're being watched. There is no security anywhere. And the reason why I say that is I didn't think anything of it. Drive in, we all go in, we go to our room. We had a great time. But the one day I came out to put garbage in one of the big garbage uh, cans. They had one for regular, another one for the recycling. It was filled to the brim two big black bags filled with who knows what 
and it was overflowing. And I'm like, look at this. So somebody in that neighborhood knows that this is a rental and Airbnb. And who knows what's in those bags and why they're not using their own garbage and putting it right there. Now, there were like three pickup trucks and two other cars in the car right neck in the house next to this Airbnb. But my whole thing was, it was kind of like, because I didn't think about it. When you get an Airbnb, you just you come, you go, you think, but you're being watched. The neighbors know that that's rental. What if that was just Emily or just Emily and my daughter or Emily and her girlfriend? I, you, you know what I'm saying? You know, it was kind of like, son of a bitch. Who, who, who put all their garbage here and who knows what's in that garbage? Like, I, I, what are you, why are you storing it here? You know what I mean? You know what I'm saying? So it was kind of like unsettling a little bit like, hmm, hmm. And I think, and I told it on a podcast, I was at an Airbnb at the Super Bowl in Phoenix. And I was in a high rise condo. Nice. But it was kind of like a sketchy part of town. There was a bar that had closed. There was a flop house that was one block away. There was a couple of homeless that were always walking around. You had to go over the railroad tracks. A couple of blocks outside of downtown Phoenix. And, uh, but once you got in there, it was fine. You know, and all these young people, guys and girls that are living in this condo complex. And I got in the elevator and I was kind of kidding around. There was a couple of people came in. This little guy, this guy came in, young guy. He had short shorts on. And I, I said, oh, oh, is this where I got to put in my code? Yeah, I got my Airbnb. And he said, oh, they have that here? I didn't think they did that here. I'm like, excuse me. And then when he left, he gave me a little, like, oh, I'm not, I'm not wanted here. I'm the Airbnb guy. So, and I'm certainly not want, they're watching me in this neighborhood using the garbage can, you know, to store whatever they're storing over here. You know, you're being a watch. So it's, that's the other thing. I just, you gotta get used to it. No big deal. Nothing else happened. Everything was fine. Uh, it was great. I like sleeping when it's cold, like when it's cold in the house and you get under the covers, like I can sleep better. I got great rest there, but here's the thing that I will tell you. And I'll close, I kind of close on this as much for the five days that I was in Denver, Denver area thinking, Oh God, I love this. I remember when I lived here, I was outdoors more. Now, we've got great weather now, so I've been outside all the time here, but it's starting to get a little hot, and it's going to be for a long stretch, and it's humid. Oh, my God. You you know, I was always, I was outdoors all the time when I was in Denver and blah, 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 and I got that feeling back again, and oh, I miss this. Oh, will I ever get a chance to live out west again? Probably not. Just how it goes. That's life. Okay, okay, okay. Once we touch down back at TIA and once we started going and got a ride home, her dad picked us up. They went back a day early. Once we got settled here, once I got in my car again, once I started driving around here, I go, I'm back. This is where I live. That was great. Like I got it out of my system. It wasn't like, Oh, I wish I was living there. No. 
And then I started like renew. I was like renewed, renewed energy. How am I going to take this podcast up? How am I going to do more with the rays? Oh, I'm going to go there. I'm going to really, how am I going to do more video? Video is the video content. How am I going to step it up? How I was like, I was like rejuvenated and I was like, I'm back and this is where I live and this is a great place to live. So what it's hot. I'll jump in a pool. So what I sweat, I'll lose weight and I'm in a great weight. So I was like, I got it out of my system. I was good. I'm back. So sometimes you need, if you're kind of in the kind of like in the doldrums, if you can swing it, get out of Dodge for a couple of days. You don't need the weekend, two week vacation. They're long. That's expensive. Just get out of Dodge. You've been in the doldrums, get out, get away, get somewhere where it doesn't look like where you live. And then you come back and you kind of feel, I'm renewed, man. I'm ready. I'm ready to take on the world. I'm ready to kick ass. I'm ready to step it up. Yeah. So it was great. It was great. It was great. When I come back, hopefully I'll give you some stories of the NFL owners meetings in Phoenix. This should be interesting. My thanks to my guys at Radio Influence going to help me with this next step, doing a little video, my man, my guys, and to Frank the Tank, Barstool, congratulations on your success, guys. Keep on rolling. All right. Ready to roll. Let's do finer. All right, guys. So listen, thank you very, very much. Hope you have a great week. I'll talk to you next week. Same time, same place. Get out of Dodge. You'll feel better. <laughs>